Hi, everyone. This is Chris from the Imperfect Podcast. I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Today's discussion is part one of an emotional conversation group had about racism in America. And this part specifically includes our black experience, what we think it means to be black, our first experiences with racism and representation in media. Please look in the description to see organizations and charities to donate to, to progress against ending racism against America. And also like, share, subscribe, comment on our Facebook page. Please let us know what you think and give us some feedback. Thanks. Sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm Shelly. I'm Zaria. I'm Antoine. And today we have a special guest with us, Latiqua Carey. Hi. What up? <laughs> and today uh, we're going to talk about what I'm going to call the weak sauce of racism and police brutality in America. Oh, my. This might actually be the name on the title of the podcast. <laughs> um, but before we get into uh, our, our, our talk, I just wanted to give a little anecdote. Um, so we've been trying to put this together for a few weeks now and schedules have just prevented us. Uh, but when we were first, when all the protests and everything was just starting, I know I was laying down sleep one morning. Um, and what was on my mind was, should I go out for a bike ride today? Like, I want to go out for a bike ride, so get that exercise and be healthy. But people getting shot for riding bikes in their own neighborhood and walking and running in their own neighborhoods, it gives me pause for, un like, just bad reasons. And to top it all off, that same morning... Uh, T comes to me just almost in a wreck and I'm, I'm just waking up. So it, it's, it's very difficult to put in words, the black experience, but that felt like to me, a common thing in black experience. We all experience just like un irrational fear I actually know rational fear um and just the loved ones worrying about us every time we walk out and that'll start us off on our first point is for each of us what is it to you to be black in America right now and I'm gonna start with uh, the other black man <laughs> Antoine <laughs> 
Uh, it's an interesting time to be black in America. That's what I. That's what I think. Um, of course, we have to consider and worry about our lives and our safety um, as black men. But also, we have to remember our power and responsibility hmm. as black men. Um, for instance, just before I came to do the podcast, there was a, a, a man outside the Wawa, and he was causing problems. Usually, I try to mind my business, but I saw white cops. Hmm. And I got out the car. I was like... What do you need? Because, of course, he he, he was homeless. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all I need is, you know, like $10. I'm trying to get out of here. They called the cops on me. And then I asked him, what did he do? And he told me, you know, he got up, upset because someone rejected him. So I went to Wawa, got my shake, came back out, and was like, look, listen, I'm giving you this $10 to leave. I said, but. I need you to make better decisions and promise me that as a black man that you can do this. I said, because if I didn't show up, you could either went to jail or possibly lost your life. And he looked at me and was like, okay. He had like a serious look in his eyes. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm like, you you just don't get it. Like the com the the climate of the world right now is we're we're targeted. Mm-hmm. We're in danger. And if you're out here causing disruption in a business, they have two choices. Take you take you peacefully or just take you out. And without question, because you're sitting here causing problems. And, you know, there was another black cop that showed up and he was like, what you did was admirable, you know, and thank you for stepping in before it got bad. Right. And, you know. That that's an example of what our responsibility is as black men. If we see our brothers and our sisters who are on the wrong path, who need help, and we can help, you know, do so. You know, what's ten dollars to me for somebody's life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing. Sorry. Um, being black for me, I realized recently is. Um, being oddly aware of things that other people don't have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, like I went in, like I'm locking my hair. So I um, I had on a do-rag because my hair is very short. So my locks don't stay down. So I have to wear a do-rag. And I went to the store and I was like, I wonder if I look, you know, crazy with this do-rag on. Let me go in real quick. Do I and come look out. dangerous? Yeah. Like, like, I, I'm a little girl, so I don't, you know, but you don't know mm-hmm. what danger is anymore. You don't know who looks scary and who doesn't. Kids look scary now. So, you know, you don't know. Is I want to say I'm safe. No, I want to say I trust the police around me. I want to say I trust the people around me, but I just don't. Um, And it's... it. I realize that I... Am have become numb to a lot of things because I think even when I saw the George Floyd video, I don't think I even flinched initially. I think I just was like, this is just, this is sad. My heart did hurt. You know, it hurt really bad, but I wasn't shocked. I wasn't like, oh my God, this happened. It was just like, wow. I was like, here we go again. Yeah, here we go again. 
um, you know, what's going to happen, you know, what's going to happen this time? How big is this one going to be? But um, that's the that's the sad part of it. That's what's being black in America is numbing yourself to a lot of things and just trying to make it through life. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't I don't really know how to answer that question. Um, it's hard to put something like that into words. I feel like um, what Zara and Antoine said kind of like hit the, <laughs> hit the nail on the head. Um, it's easier to be numb, I think, um, with all that's going on. Um, realizing that being black has kind of like parts to it. Um, on one sense, I'm like super proud and, you know what I mean? I'll wear, you know, like I'm black AF and all this stuff, you know, like I, I'm black, I y'all. love being I'm black. black y'all. <laughs> Blackity black, black y'all. <laughs> I love being black. I do. I love it. Um, but on the other end, it comes with a lot. A lot. Um, there's a lot of baggage being black. There's a lot of baggage being black. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and... Yeah, I feel like um, <laughs> we kind of have to earn the right to be proud to be black, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, yeah, because everybody else can just be proud to be who they are and yeah. have no problems. But yeah, you start fight. seeing black people being proud. It's like, whoa, it's like, oh, hold up. Who what do, y'all doing over there? Right. Who do y'all think y'all are? <laughs> right, y'all, exactly. Y'all um, causing a ruckus. I guess just like where we are right now is, has made me kind of kind of shed a light on a lot of things that I, I guess, like kind of suppressed in order to not be mm-hmm. angry all the time. Um, of course, I know our history, of course, um, but to get through life day to day, you kind of just have to like not think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. is no way to live with that stuff in the forefront. Yeah. And for the past few weeks, it has been. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah. right in our faces. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to kind of navigate that especially if somebody comes out right and asks you about what's going on like how do you feel right now hmm. it's like mm, i don't know how to tell you this yeah. yeah the only the only word that's been able to describe it all is tired mm. yeah mm-hmm. very we, just tired yeah very like tired. even even trying to catch people out in statements like somebody said something to me uh yesterday and I had I had to stop myself because I knew it wasn't their intention to be any kind of offensive. But I know in a like I'm going to talk to them in different context to just let them know, like, hey, listen, you probably shouldn't say that anymore mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. anybody, <laughs> especially if black people are around. Right. <laughs> like there's just some things. You might be able to get away with that with your friends, but you need to read the room. <laughs> and in that moment, you wasn't reading the room. <laughs> and if I got mad at what you said, I could have been, I would have been right. Yeah. Like you, so, uh, take what, how? Um, this is a difficult one because honestly, at this moment, it's very painful. Hmm. Um, 
we grow up and everyone tells us, you know, just work hard, you know, you can be successful, mm-hmm. you know, just study, all this other stuff. But they don't tell you about there's a limit. There's a cap if you're black. There's double standards black if ceiling. you're black. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's like a black tax, which the older you get, the more we kind of talk about it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very frustrating where it's just kind of like. Dang, I can't even walk down the street. Like, I can't even like. And as a black woman, especially as all this is happening, black women keep dying, and we don't get the same outrage that you know when black men. And I'm not trying to pin you know, um, black men or black women against each other, but like taking it as a black woman, it's it's a very daunting thing that if something happened to me, there's no guarantee that anyone would notice outside of immediate family. Like, you know, both, you know, Brianna Taylor, like she she passed away in her home, though, like mm, yeah. EMT. She was minding her. She was sleep. No knock warrant. Minding her business. Like, you can't even be home. Yeah, I, home? Not safe in my own home from the police. Like, that's yeah. that's the thing that threw me for a little bit. And it was just like that, like. There's no place to find solace. And so like right now to be black, it means you have no solace. You have no, and it's not even a place to hide. You have no place to stop and just exist. And hearing about the woman who weaponized race against another black man who was not like, seriously, we are now at the point where we're weaponizing it. Like we're actively making sure that people are dying. And no, like, it's painful right now to be black in America. And I'm not even going to build on the different layers of it, especially as a dark skinned black woman. It's even more difficult because it's, it's ridiculously visible. All the stereotypes, all the fears, all the expectations, like it's painful. And especially trying to navigate and maneuver in these spaces while trying to not seem like the angry black woman, because all this stuff is just, it's, breaks you at some point and for me I just I couldn't I wasn't allowed like I wasn't able to process it because you know we've been so conditioned that when tragedy happens oh you can't stop and you can't feel you don't have time you got to keep on moving got to keep on pressing like it's stuff to be done like you know you find a moment to grieve and then you got to keep it moving so we're just like every time when every time something like this happens we are literally we're building on the past trauma of every time it's happened before and it's just building, building and building and building up. And it's just kind of like, yo, to be black in America means we can't even like we can't even collectively deal with the trauma before another one um, happens. Again. Can't even grieve. And I think that's one of the things that's um, kind of kind of amazing about what's happening, right? like how long these protests have lasted is because during this coronavirus time, you picked the wrong time because people ain't got nothing else to do but go out there and protest now. Hmm. Like if people working from home, people are unemployed, got, I think the unemployment rate is up over almost like, what, 13%, something like that. It's crazy. It's high. You have all these people out of work. And of course, you're unemployed. You're probably looking at a lot of black people, too, because that's unfair. Um, so you have all these people that can go out and protest. So they are. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, 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 I mean, a lot of workplaces, like I said, working from home, like, oh, I'll do this later. <laughs> I'm going to this protest for the next couple hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but next, next thing. Um, <laughs> what, uh, if you can remember, was the earliest time in your life that you can say you experienced racism? I can feel that one. That one's ingrained in my mind. Um, It was actually fourth grade for me. You know, I'm not going to call out names. I was, you know, at a certain um, elementary school around here. If you do, I'll bleep them out. (laughs) (laughs) um, And mind you, I grew up in a predominantly white um, town and I went to a predominantly white um, school school district and I'll never forget I was in fourth grade and just sitting here minding my business do to do to do and this little boy calls me the n-word now I'm like I didn't know what it meant but I knew it was something bad especially by the way he acted it's like oh don't tell don't tell I was like um teacher <laughs> he called me this this and she like the way her face dropped and how white this boy looked, mm. I knew that was something I was not supposed to be called. <laughs> and then going back to it, especially as I'm talking about this in my program, it it makes me think, what are the conversations or what were the conversations happening at home that he could pick up this word? Mm-hmm. And no, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no son, he ain't supposed to be calling people. Mm-hmm. And and in particular, to call me one of the few black children in the class that mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. I I had a um two part to this. Cause I'm a pick you said something that was interesting. I, I was on IG Live doing a live and I was um I called it conversations at the table. And on that live I was telling whoever was on there that we have a responsibility at the tables that we sit at, you know, through conversation to um, enlighten, to educate, to encourage, and also to correct. And when you said what was going on in the house, he was sitting at somebody's table hearing mm-hmm. these words mm-hmm. because no fourth grader knows automatically what that is, except unless you're no, talking. nowadays, you know, you may find out on your own, but Back then, no. So, you know, and that's something that I'll talk about more during the resolution, but I had a similar racist problem. Uh, School, right around the corner from here. Uh, I was in sixth grade. This boy was messing with my cousin. And, you know, my cousin was a very peaceful person. And I fought all the bullies for him. And he came to me and was like, look, it was the muscle. <laughs> Not surprised. Well, I mean, honestly, you're looking at this dude right now. So, so, you know, he came to me and was just like, you know, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. I said, okay, when the boy get off the bus, I'm going to talk to him. So he got off the bus. I'm talking to him like, yo, mess, stop messing with my cousin. You know, we're going to have problems. And he was like, I ain't, ain't scared of you, you N-word. I said, oh. Automatically, I didn't even say anything else. I just hit him. Yeah, and because I was taught at a young age, if if a white person calls you the N word, handle your business. And I handled my business, got suspended, didn't get in trouble. Um, he learned not to say that no more. Mm -hmm. But I learned later that wasn't 
the best way to handle that because all that did was cause more problems right. later on. So that was my first real interaction with one-on-one racism. I got racially profiled with a bunch of people, but the one-on-one, that was my first time. Um, I can't even tell you. My middle, my elementary school was so racist. I couldn't tell you which was the first time. Um, <laughs> um, but I do know it was in elementary school. I used to live in Philly. I'm from Philly. Um, and I lived in Philly all the way up until I was in the third grade. And surprisingly, I went to an all-black school. So I literally didn't see white people until I moved to Jersey. Um, I lived in West Philly, so there's not, you know, many white people there. Um, and I went, you know, I went to all-black. West black. Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to all-black school in second grade. So when I got to third grade, it was just so, we didn't even say the Pledge of Allegiance at my other school. So when I got to third grade, I was definitely like, the source, like I was just out, like I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know about this pledge of elite. What y'all saying? <laughs> what is this? Y'all got this memorized? They told y'all y'all had to know this every day. Like I was like, wow, okay, y'all know the songs and everything. But I was, I was so not only was I like, <laughs> not only was I like black and dark and and you know just this new girl like I wasn't. I don't know, American, I guess. I don't know. So they looked at me like weird because I didn't know that. But I was like, look, this is not what black people do. And I was with <laughs> black people. So, um, so yeah, so I remember, you know, getting picked on about that. Coons um, picked on about my hair, oh everything. My. Like in middle school, it was bad. I did, it was bad all throughout elementary and my sixth grade year. I couldn't tell you. What, but I was around a lot of kids who clearly... It was just, and my teachers didn't do anything about it. It was just a really strange and rough experience for me. But um, I don't know. A lot of those kids are fake Black Lives Matter activists now. So, (laughs) oh boy. Well, we we gonna go there. (laughs) We gonna go there. Not yet, but we'll go there. Um, For me, my first experience probably same like fourth, fifth grade, something like that. Um, It wasn't out. It felt like an unintentional racist experience, but you can't be too sure because we was in the hallway doing something. It was like a geography class or something, and they had the map of the world on the on the wall. And white boy, about the same age as me, probably older because I was always the youngest in my classes. He points to the map in Africa and goes to me. Does that say nigger? What? The, oh, first of all, that's Niger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wasn't a fight, but he didn't say that again. <laughs> because, like, like, it was, because it was just, it was, because, well, so I don't, like, looking back, like, so fifth, fourth, fifth grade, I was like nine, ten. I wasn't really that aware of things because I grew up around white people. Mm-hmm. Like there, it wasn't, it wasn't like my family was the most black I saw besides going out in the world. Going out in the world, school was mostly white. You know, you had like a handful of black kids in the classes. But I, and honestly, I didn't really see a, a different world <laughs> until I went to high school. And I was like, oh, 
there's not that many white people here. <laughs> it's just a whole bunch of black and Hispanic students in this school. Oh, you outnumbered. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is different. <laughs> That's when I got my black card. Because <laughs> I don't know if I had a black card before high school. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I, I really don't know because that, that was the black experience for me. Because it was just like, okay, most of y'all from Camden, from y'all from the hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm getting along with y'all. <laughs> I like y'all. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is diff- this is the kind of different I like. <laughs> Of course, though, in the classes I was in, because I was in like the high achieving classes, there was only like two black people mm-hmm. in those classes. Of course. Yeah. I had, yeah. no, I had, I had that same too. experience. Same. Like, I senior, I, was, I had no black kids in my classes. I, it was, like, <laughs> it was it two was, and a half. It was, it was 10, like my freshman year, it was 10 people in all my classes. Two of us were black and two were Hispanic. The rest mm. were white. That's what happens. And we don't, as, we don't push as the as the program grew, as the program grew, it kind of changed a little yeah. bit, but yeah. not that much. It was still the geeky white dudes. <laughs> uh, hey, they the smart ones right now, <laughs> making all the money. Hey, Some, mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly, um, I actually don't think that I have one at all. That's good. Um, look great. Yeah, maybe a little prejudice um, when I went to visit some friends in Texas, but it wasn't anything like she was just rude, you know, <laughs> just to me. So I figured that was like <laughs> racially fueled, but <laughs> sure, yeah. I just assumed it was racially fueled at least. <laughs> I was the only black person in the vicinity and she was only rude to me. Uh, so well, that, that's kind of a, that's, yeah, that's so your, I guess that would be my first racial experience. <laughs> I was... It was a year ago, so I was going to age myself, but I won't do that. It was a year ago. You were um, in your 20s? <laughs> yeah, I went a very long time um, not that's, that's having good. that experience. That's good. But is that because of where you grew up? It might be. Um, I feel like I've grown up around a, a lot of black people. Yeah, so um, I, yeah. I had. I wouldn't necessarily say in the hood, though. You know, like I didn't grow up like only black people, but... Um, a lot of black people. I surrounded myself by a lot of black people. Um, I do have white friends, of course, but um, none that ever gave me the vibe. Their family never gave me the vibe. Right. <laughs> I had anything to worry about. Like, I just don't think it's just hasn't been something that I personally had to deal with. So. That is good. Hey, yeah. That's lucky you. That is yeah. good. amazing. Um, <laughs> in like, because I've, I've because all of this has happened and I've looked on uh, a lot of streaming services have give like they're giving out black black content, content. Yeah, like um, Apple TV and I know Apple Amazon Music. Apple Music did it too. No, well I'm I'm just talking about video right oh, now. Oh, just yeah, okay. But like on on the main streaming services that you can buy content on. Mm-hmm. They're giving away like Just Mercy is free, Ali is free to watch. Oh, wow. Like a lot of um, the documentaries are free to watch for everybody. Like you don't have to pay, and even the ones that you pay for, like the new HBO Now, they got a whole section of all their black <laughs> content. Mm-hmm. Just like oh, this this you need to know about racism. It's right here. Mm-hmm. Netflix, <laughs> right Netflix here. and yep. Hulu. I think. I wonder. Yep, Hulu did it. I saw that. 
And I just mm-hmm. I just want to know when when you see these, like how do you, how do you feel about watching these? Like, do you feel when you watch these, that's you? Yep. Which um, is why I won't watch them. Because I know, like sometimes, like for me, it's just like it, it's it sometimes can be a oh yeah that I I have been in situations like that and they might have ended up like that because. <clears throat> Like, granted, it's never happened to me, but, like, watching a show, like, When They See Us is just, like, I mean, that could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wrong place at the wrong so, time. It's so, like, I'm, like. Like, that could be wrong literally. Place at the wrong time. Like, mm-hmm. literally, that almost happened. Well, not exactly that way, but we almost got arrested back when Echelon Mall was popping. Oh, that's a long time stuff. ago. Yeah, <laughs> so, back when Echelon Mall was popping, I think I was, like, 13, maybe. You know, where they used to drop you off at the mall, you hang out, and then you, you know, you get picked up or whatever. My, it was me, a group of friends, and a couple cousins. We were, you know, walking around, just hanging out. There was another group of guys who were dressed almost identically like we were. And they stole stuff out of the pet store. Don't know why. I was just about to say, like... Out of all the stores, it was like it was like a stuffed animal thing or whatever, the only right? Thing we're selling so, pet stores, puppies. <laughs> so we <laughs> actually walked past the pet store, and then the people inside was like, "That's them that you know stole or whatever." So I'm I'm walking. Everybody else is not really paying attention, but I'm noticing there's a guard behind us. There's a guard by the escalator, and then there's a guard by the exit, and I'm talking to yo. They're following us. And they're like, and he's like, no, they're not. I said, they're following us. Like, I said, bro, because the dude go. is still moving. This dude is watching where we go. I said, I guarantee you, if somebody was to dip that way, one of them was going to follow you. So we stopped. And I asked the guy, I said, can I help you? And he's like, yeah, we got reported that you stole something. Uh, where's the stuffed animal? I said, excuse me? Stuffed animal? Like exactly. I'm like, like, excuse me, a stuffed animal? I said, all I have in this bag are sneakers. My, I said, I don't know what they have, but all I have is sneakers. You can check all our, all our stuff if you want, but it wasn't us. So they pulled us back into the side. The cops was there. It was a big scene, you know, and then I told everybody, because I was the oldest one, I said, don't talk until, you know, our parents arrive. I said, because they're going to keep questioning us. And we're not legal to speak for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my one cousin, he's hothead. You know, mm-hmm. he's telling the cop, shut up. I'm like, dude, don't shut up. <laughs> stop it. You, you shut up. I'm you like, shut dude, up, right? I'm like, you dude, you can't, you can't do that. I said, one, he's a cop. Two, he's an adult. Like, chill. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, like it's going to be cool. Like, you know, bro, that you, kind of thing. You have the right to remain <laughs> silent. But... Take you know, that right. Yes. But watching that movie was just like, yo, that could have mm-hmm. been bad. Like they didn't even have to ask us. Yeah. You know, yeah. if I didn't stop or anything, they could have just like kept on come here, got it. Yeah. Come come with us, you know, call your parents or whatever. If they even told yeah. you to yeah. call yeah. your exactly. parents. Exactly. Like, you know, right. we don't know. You know, so it was it's it's for me, I wonder why we had to wait so long for now this to be at the forefront. That's my that's my biggest problem with now everything is free for black folk. Mm-hmm. Like all these black movies are free. Why do we have to wait now to now educate our people when things have been going on for years? And when this stuff has been available 
for years. Exactly. Like this stuff has been out. The so information has been out. And that, that I feel like it's more for white people though. Yeah. Probably yeah. yeah. Because we watch these movies. We've and we, seen them we all. know these things. Yeah, we know yeah. these stories. Thirteenth? Thirteenth Amendment? What? We yeah. all have seen that. Yeah, we know these things. So I think that, it was more so that, that white people were able to watch I can't, these things. I only things. watched it once. I can't do it. Yeah, that I only watched it once. You can only really watch mm-hmm. that once. Yeah. Same thing with Roots. I've never watched no, it. No, see me, I don't do the slave ones. I can do yeah. without those. But I, the ones that are more about, <laughs> you know, more recent things, when they see us, I, I really enjoy those. I feel like they're important. We need to see the. I didn't know about them. I did not know yeah, about I didn't know. I when didn't know I didn't know about those boys at all mm-hmm. before this thing came out. I'm, well, I think <clears throat> for me, it was vague because I'm older, but um, it was more vague. But to watch it in that detail, ugh, oh, yeah, not a dry eye. Yeah. I See, I'm not going to lie to you all. Don't judge me. I haven't seen it. I didn't watch it. It's either. hard to um, watch. It's very it's, hard to watch. It's very hard to watch. And I can't. Especially the last episode. That, and things I, don't even be hard for me to watch. I don't watch slave movies because I just don't want to watch them. But like when they see it, it was genuinely hard, hard to watch. Like, yeah. I, I can't watch it because it's too close. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I have two nephews. Yeah. Like That's that are, are 10 and 16. <clears throat> and whew, Lord knows we pray for him. Um, that 16 year old. I'm just like, it, it's difficult, especially with him because it's like, do you like you're not aware of the skin that you're in you're not aware of the presence that you have and you're doing things that put you in a position that we could be crying the next like and it's so difficult and i can't i can't watch that and i know educated all this other stuff but i can't like some movies i just i can't put myself there or I'm not going to be able to walk out the door and be able to talk to people of other ethnicities and other races right. without yeah. a chip on my shoulder. There's a lot of movies out there that make you not like white oh, people. Yeah, you got to take a home. white people break for sure. There's you got to sit in the house for I mean, the day. I, had to, I just had to take a people break in period. Yeah. period. Like It wasn't even like white or black when all this stuff was going yeah. on. I was just like, people, period, need to yeah. leave me alone yes. while I kind of process this for mm-hmm. myself. And then also figure out what we could do as a group and then what we could do individually to make, you know, some changes. And I'm just like, dude, like, leave me all the way. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I didn't even reach out to you guys about doing this until what, like four or five days afterwards? And that's perfectly fine. Because it, it was like, <laughs> even in my mind, I'm just like... If you just said something to me that first day, I'd be like, dude, I don't want to talk about this. Right. No, it, it was just like, I can't get this out of my head. Like, I can't, like, we can't do another show until we talk about this. I mean, and, and Like, that fair. was literally where my head was at. I was like, I literally can't call, like, I can't record another show. <clears throat> I can't put out one of the shows that we already recorded that's waiting to go out. Mm-hmm. Now, I was like, we got to do some talking about this. Otherwise, uh, your podcast over. We done. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's important that we do get, you know, voice our opinions and share what are our experiences. So, you know, whoever is listening can uh, learn and glean from us and then also mm-hmm. can also, um, you know, give us feedback, you know, on what else we should have talked about, what we should have touched on. Yeah, I mean, those kind of things. and looking back at um, some of the questions, especially do these uh, shows actually represent the black experience properly and accurately. I think m- now more than ever it does yeah. because there it's, are actual black people who are making sure that it's done accurately. It's too mm-hmm. real for me. Yeah, because I mean, 
what some of the earlier movies. I would say the only movie, one one of the few movies that are direct have been directed by like a white person, but actually been seemingly accurate. You know, you got the color purple. Yeah. And I can't stand it. Ray. I've never seen the color purple. Wow. It's actually funny yeah. after you watch it a couple times. Yeah, I you, just, I you have to watch it in the right lens for I it just to be can't funny. Ain't it long? After a while. It is about. Mm. It's a couple hours. Yeah. It's not that long. Most long movies. It's kind of funny. Not seen. It's like it's like, like two, two hours. Oh, okay, that's two, right. two hours twenty maybe. Then we might have to that's do a that little one day. That's a little I guess, long. but because uh, <laughs> I can't watch it by myself, it bothers me. If you want to, I have the book. If you, mm, the book is worse. Yeah, don't don't read the book. The book is worse. I don't feel like reading anything book, else. Well, it's not as worse. The book is more graphic than the movie. That makes sense. Okay. Um, Always. But honestly, I think, like I said before, right now they're being portrayed as accurately as can yeah. be. In comparison to yeah. what we've seen before, like because it's black voices all the way through. Yeah. It's from conception to production to execution, is black voices all the way through, and you can tell when it's not. Like mm-hmm. you watch it and be like, "That's not mm, black. That don't feel right." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think also this touches upon like why, um, what is his name? He's so successful with. Um, the horror movies, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Peele, like why it's so successful because it's a it's, psychological threat. Like it's yeah. like, it's scary as it's crap s- <laughs> because it's, it's touches so close to home. Like Get this is reality scary for black people. Mm-hmm. Yes. White people go like, ah, it wasn't that scary to me. Mm, no, it's scary to us. Terrifying. <laughs> and it, it's scary because it's based off of these tragedies that we go through every day. Mm hmm. And even what his newest one, where it kind of has the flashes back, uh, the flashback to slavery time and where today, like reality today and slavery kind of like that imaginary timeline kind of blurs itself. What movie is that? Uh, oh, you guys see the trailer? Uh, yeah. Mm, watch that. I was like, mm, I is can't. a movie coming out? Yeah. He has a new one. I don't know. I was about to say, I don't know what that is. But I brought that up because I that's something that's been in the back of my mind. Like, yo, what if like what if slavery happened now? Like with all our technology, with everything that's happening now, like just jumping back and forth between that. But honestly, asking that question, what if slavery happened now? Like we're already in it still yeah. with the thirteenth amendment. Like, why do you think the prison industrial com- um, complex is booming as it is? Like, why do you think there is literally like they put more resources into prisons for black people than they do for educational resources? They don't want us to know. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, this stuff is, is scary. And also at the same time, the the TV shows and everything that's out is more accurate because we're now repeat to their game. Like, yo, we mm. see what you're doing. Mm. And we have the the resources to be able to call it out. Yep, we can just go mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, you didn't you didn't think this was going on? Hold on, let me let go. Me help you. Let me go to this movie that was yeah. produced only five years ago. Oh, even or, before that. Oh, let me make a documentary. Oh, I don't need your your big bucks, Warner Brothers. No, uh, you know what? I'll I'll go tap into the community. Let's release it on Sundance. Let's mm-hmm. you know, let's mm-hmm. leak it on the internet. Let's not wait for yep. you. Yeah, let's drop it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that does it for today's episode. Please stay tuned for part two. Please like, share, and 
comment on our Facebook and give us some feedback. We appreciate it. Thank you.